Good morning and welcome to Church on Main. We are so excited that you are here with us. Um, we are thankful that you are part of this space and we hope that you enjoyed your Thanksgiving holiday. If you are a first time visitor or you visited several times and you would like to get connected with us, then right in front of you in your your pew rack, you'll find one of these snazzy connect cards. If you fill that out and drop in the offering plate later or hand it to a deacon as you leave this space, then we would love to connect with you and have you be a part of this family further. And so scripture says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And so today, would you go to me in prayer, reflecting on the fact that God is good and that regardless of where we've come from or what our day has been like so far, that God is good and it is good to be in his house. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this space. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. God, we thank you for yet another morning to rise and sing and to come to this place of worship. Lord, we thank you for technology that connects us across the world and with our neighbors, Lord, that they might also join in on this worship. God, we thank you that your spirit has already filled this room and we are here to meet you in this moment, God. And so, Lord, as we enter into this time of worship, Lord, as we surrender our hearts before you, God, as we offer praise and worship to your name, Lord, let our hearts be sincere. Lord, let us strip away the noise. Let us forget our neighbor. Let us forget what is causing a burden and fear in our life, God, and let us actually enter into a time of worship. Lord, may we find you there because you're already waiting. Lord, may we become aware of your presence because it's already here. And Lord, may we feel more connected than ever, God, because you are holy and you are good and we give thanks to you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Precious God, we thank you so much that you are good and that you hold us in your hands on the good times and in the bad times. And God, that we've had this time and this week to focus on how thankful we are for the blessings you've given us. And so, God, right now we ask that you calm our hearts and you calm our minds and you show us in the teachings today all these moments where you are good and where you're with us always and where we know our needs are in your hands, God, and we can just learn and love and worship. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Christ? I know that I truly am. I wouldn't be standing before you if it weren't for the blood of Christ, right? You wouldn't be sitting in this space if it weren't for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we enter into this next part of worship, I would ask that you set aside the thoughts that are distracting you, that you would set aside the things that are worrying you, and that you would just really laser in on what the Lord has for you to hear this morning. I want you to begin to picture this, a Middle Eastern home with a table low to the ground, and then around that table you see Jesus. Twelve men reclined to one side, and as you lean in and begin to listen, you see Jesus take the bread and the cup. 
And his voice is tender and yet full of authority as he breaks the bread and he begins to share the cup. And then you watch uncomfortably as Judas gets up and leaves the table. You know what is about to come. Betrayal. And yet at that table, dinner continues. Community continues to take place. And as dinner comes to an end, you see Jesus lift his gaze to heaven and begin to pray. He begins this prayer with honor and glory to the Father. And then you see him glance around the room at Peter, at James, at John, at the others. And he begins to intercede on behalf of the ones that the Father has given him. The hand-picked community that's sitting at this table. The chosen few who would later bring glory to his name. Those whom he would use to carry the gospel message forward. But then something extraordinary happens. You see Jesus lift his gaze to the empty space at the end of the table. And there you find that his gaze meets yours. And as your gaze meets his, he begins to intercede on behalf of you with these words. My prayer is not for them alone, the disciples, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, us. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I, and that I myself may be in them. This prayer, Jesus' prayer, this intercession that was made for you, for me, for us, that we would become one. Before we ever came to be, before we ever existed in this space, he prayed that there would be unity among us because he knew that the gospel depended on it. Christ's desire was for us to be unified. When we look at the word unity, it doesn't take much to discover that Jesus meant for us to have a togetherness that brings us together in love and in mind and in purpose. And what is this purpose other than his will? The desire was true community with God and with one another. And through that communion, the kingdom would come to earth as it is in heaven. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's very powerful. But coming off Thanksgiving meals, 
right? Extended visits with your families and the craziness of Black Friday shopping. All of this talk about unity within community may feel exhausting and unattainable. I mean, after all, you couldn't decide if you were having Thanksgiving at your side of the family or with your husband's side of the family. Or maybe you spent all day arguing with your teenager about being present at the table and staying off of their phones while their cousins got to play Roblox and watch YouTube on their iPads. Or maybe you're always exhausted because it's your toddler that's constantly running through the space, causing disastrous messes everywhere their tiny toes will take them. Or perhaps you spent the whole day dreading the encounters you were gonna have with certain family members but you felt obligated to show up anyways. But I bet that as you began to settle into familiar territory of your home, of your family, that you begin to glance around and look at that community. And though that family is messy and broken, it was beautiful and holy too. That as you broke bread, you found joy. That you found the place where you belonged. Your belonging was fulfilled in that moment. You slid right into the space that you were created for. And when I take a look around this room, I see community. I see a community of broken and messy people, myself included. But you know what else I see? I see something holy and something beautiful also. I see family that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The gospel depends on us being one. It depends on our willingness to cultivate community right here, right now, in this space among us. And true community is hard, and it's messy, but it's also beautiful, and it's also holy. And here's the thing, everyone here in this space, whether online or in this room, has a place to settle into, a role to play, to fulfill their God-given purpose here and now. It's in true community that our joy is restored and renewed. But true community isn't easy, is it? Because true community requires conviction. Are you living a life of conviction? And before you swiftly answer yes, let me just give you the meaning of this word. Conviction conviction is a fixed or firm belief. And that's just what you get when you Google, okay? But from scripture, it is a belief held based on evidence, faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. Being so deeply convicted of something that nothing could persuade you, no clever argument, no persuasive fact or theory can make a dent in this conviction of the rightness of your position. I'm convicted that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm also convicted that we are better together than apart. I am convicted that the Holy Spirit is here in this room and at work. Conviction not to be confused 
with preference. Preference sounds a lot like the following statements. I just cannot worship unless there's contemporary music in the space. My kids hate coming to church on Sunday morning. They think it's so boring, and to be honest, so do I, so it's not worth the fight. Isn't that what podcasts are for? I can just Google exactly what I want to listen to. I don't see anyone else in this room that looks like me. There's hardly another person who is in the same stage of life as me. I'll come back to the church when it fits that stage of life. I need smooth and polished transitions because you know what? I can't focus without them. I will take theater seating over pews all day long. Man, I really needed a hymn this morning. Some of you may have not even gotten past the fact that I did not do the Lord's Prayer in the invocation earlier. You're probably still thinking about that. Like, who let the millennial in the pulpit? (laughs) Might be the last time. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But in all seriousness, we enter this space with a million different expectations and preferences every Sunday morning. And all the while, we've placed God into this neat little box of what's appropriate. We limit the same God who had power to overcome death and the grave to liturgical worship. We limit the work of the Holy Spirit to our preferences and our ideologies, and we call it conviction. And then we carry that little box around with us into our conversations, into our homes, and into the lost and dying world. And then we wonder why they have not seen God's glory revealed in us and through us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Because true, authentic, biblical community requires conviction, not preference. But sometimes we cling so tightly to our preferences that we convince ourselves that the Holy Spirit cannot move without them, don't we? Sometimes, if we're honest, we love our preferences more than we love the Jesus that, that they point us to. These same methods that help us point us to Jesus become the very things that we begin to worship. And so a very hard and serious question this morning, one that I personally have been asking myself, do you love your preferences more than you love Jesus? And I get it, it's hard, because most of those statements I made this morning were my own preferences. But church, it's our preferences that get in the way of our purpose of being one. Should I switch this mic to a handheld? I prefer over-the-air mic, so let's see how this goes. The second thing that community requires is connectedness. Community requires us to be connected. 
True biblical community requires us to be vertically connected with the Father and horizontally connected with one another. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the world that you gave me, the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that we may be brought together in complete unity. How connected are you? And that's a tough question, right? First, we're talking about conviction. Now we're into connection. It only gets harder from here. So buckle in, people. How connected are you? Because a lot of the red letters in Scripture talk about us being connected. In fact, the Old Testament talks about being connected. We just wrapped up a series in kids' worship about the Ten Commandments. Right? The first four teaching us how to love God and be connected to the Father. And then the last six, how to love one another and stay connected in community with one another. Or John 15, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. What about the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the first, this is the first greatest commandment. And then the second is like it. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God, love people, and watch his kingdom come. That feels nice, doesn't it? It's the mantra I live my life by. It's, it's the ethos that I create every ministry from. Love God, love people, watch his kingdom come. But if we're not careful, what do we do? We oversimplify that, right? Because we live in a culture that is constantly competing for our attention and devotion. Right there, every single day, at your fingertips, you lose hours of time scrolling, being numbed out by endless information and dopamine hits. A genius algorithm that gives you exactly what you think you need and what you want, and all within milliseconds. And humans, man, we are difficult to deal with. We're selfish, and we're prideful, and right now in culture, we are being polarized in every way possible. And if we're not being entertained, our needs are not being met, when something no longer serves us, we make our demands, or we simply walk away from it all. Because we are living in a culture where we are gods of our own empires and wonder then why are we never satisfied? So church today, are you feeling a little bit disconnected or a lot of bit disconnected? Because true joy is the fruit of the spirit and the only way to experience true fulfilling joy is by living connected to the father who connects us to true authentic biblical community. But that requires a lot of sacrifice and conviction, doesn't it? And it's hard. But the invitation, it always remains 
the same. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Or blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you turning to the wrong things and finding that you're empty, that you're numb, that you're broken, that you're feeling lost, that you're overly connected yet still so disconnected? When is the last time you've wrestled with the Lord like Jacob? In the end, Jacob does what we all must do. In his weakness and fear, he faces God. Jacob was separated from all others and from all of his worldly possessions, and he grapples all night for what is truly important. It was an exhausting struggle that left him crippled. And it was only after he wrestled with God and ceased his struggling, realizing that he could not go on without him, that he receives his blessing. So when is the last time you wrestled with the Lord? When is the last time you crucified your flesh? When is the last time you submitted your life, your agenda, your attitudes to being refined by the power of the Holy Spirit? When is the last time you stripped away all of the noise, when you set aside your own agendas and you stilled your soul before the Lord and you leaned in to hear the voice of the Spirit? When is the last time you truly felt connected to the Lord and to his body? Because to be honest, it's pretty easy to show up, go through the motions, and walk away week after week after week and wonder why you do it all anyways. Be still and know that I am God. Glennon Doyle, while I don't agree with everything that she writes, she wrote this in one of her recent books that have reached the secular and Christian audiences alike. She said, be still and know. It didn't say poll your friends and know, or read books and know, or score the internet and know. It suggested a different approach to just stop. She goes on to say that there in the deep, I could sense something circulating inside of me. It was a knowing. I know things down at this level that I can't on the chaotic surface. Down here, when I pose a question about my life in words or abstract images, I sense a nudge. This nudge guides me towards the next precise thing, and then when I silently acknowledge the nudge, it fills me. The knowing feels just like warm liquid gold, filling my veins and solidifying just enough to make me feel steady and certain. What I learned, even though I am afraid of it, is that God lives in the deepness inside of me. And when I recognize God's presence and guidance, God celebrates by flooding me with this warm liquid gold. Glennon Doyle calls that the knowing. I call that the Holy Spirit. 
So just stop. Be still. Let the Lord fill you and lead you to his heart. Let his spirit fill you. Let it overwhelm you and guide you into his perfect joy. Because when we are firmly connected to the Father, we then learn to be firmly connected to one another. But it all begins with that vertical connection to the Father. So this morning, as you begin to assess your private world, the state of your spiritual life, just how connected are you? When is the last time that the Holy Spirit has overwhelmed you and flooded your veins like warm liquid gold? Church, we are absolutely better together. And we cannot allow our differences and our preferences to get in the way of our destiny. Because here's the thing, when the music fades and all is stripped away, our only thing that we can stand on is our connection to the Father and to one another. It's going to be the only thing that matters at the end of the day. There isn't a magical solution. We are literally living in a post-truth world. Truth is being perceived as relevant. What is good? What is true? What is beautiful? You could get a million different answers to that question, to those three questions. And the best music, a traditional sanctuary versus a modern space, Tommy as pastor or not, none of that is going to create the shift in culture that we need. Because it comes through conviction of knowing that Jesus Christ truly is the way, the truth, and the life. The conviction and the commitment to this conviction creates the transformation that we need within ourselves, within this space, and within the world. Transformation will only come when each of us is willing to be so convicted by that truth that is Jesus Christ, that we are committed and unified to do whatever it takes to reach the last, the lost, and the least, and to bring them into this family of faith. And that is our call. That is the prayer that Jesus prayed and interceded for on the behalf of each of you in this space. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Community also requires commitment. I told you it was only getting tougher, you know. Conviction, connectedness, now we're on to commitment. Commitment is tough in 2023, going into 2024, isn't it? You know, we left that pandemic overcommitted and now we're like, I don't know if I wanna commit. You know, we have a hard time with commitment, but community requires commitment. Raise your hand if you've ever been in Lane Stadium during a home football game. I mean, let's go Hokies, right? Am I right? Yes. When you are in Lane Stadium, Nothing says commitment like that place. Nothing says commitment like the culture that Hokies have built. Lane Stadium is literally billed as the toughest place in college football for our opponents to play. And you know why? Because the moment you step foot in Blacksburg, 
to the moment you reach the stadium, to the moment you leave, the commitment to players, the culture, the mantra that this is home is seriously a 10 out of 10. Nothing compares to Hokie culture, to the commitment that exists in Hokie culture. There was a literal flood and the Hokies sat through it until it was deemed no longer safe to stay. They left, walked all the way back, only to watch their team lose. That is 10 out of 10 commitment. The commitment to this community, this family, the this is home, is beyond anything I have ever seen. Honestly, every time I sit in the stadium, I'm astounded. And honestly, it's not even limited to geography. You could be halfway across the world, spot another Hokie wearing maroon and orange, and you have sincere, deep connection and affection. You're like, there's a Hokie, yes. And now before you tune me out and think I'm one of those weirdos who preach against your football and your tailgating, calm down. You're in church on Main, okay? Yeah. It's not where I'm going. But can you imagine for just a second what our world would look like if we reordered our private worlds in such a way that our commitment to the cause of Christ, to the gospel, to one another, would look like if we had a fraction of the commitment that Hokies have to Lane Stadium. If we had the same commitment to the Father and to one another to be one. It does not matter where you come from when you show up in Lane Stadium. Doesn't matter what you believe, doesn't matter who you voted for, doesn't matter your race, your ethnicity, your sexuality, none of that matters. You are there because you're a Hokie and everybody's a Hokie. What if we were so committed to being one that it transformed our lives, our families, and the world around us? What if we were so unified that geography and seasons of life and politics and socioeconomics and preferences didn't dictate our seat at the table? That the world would know we were followers of Christ because of our love and because of our unity. That Christ literally was glorified in us and through us and it was revealed to the world everywhere we went. Because beyond imagining, this is the call. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed before he made his way to the cross. To be one as Christ and the Father are one. The reality is, is there's someone waiting on us to become one. To invest in our relationship with the Father and to show up to invest in this community. But commitment requires sacrifice, doesn't it? And that's hard. It's especially hard when you don't have all the details, when you're not really a ride or die kind of person. You know, you're like, where are we going? How much does that cost? What does that look like? Am I gonna like it? I'm probably not gonna like it. You're not really down with just going with the flow. A man wandering through a city stopped to inquire what was happening in front of him. He stopped by the first man and he asked, hey, what's happening here? He said, oh, I'm just laying some brick. He continued on and then he asked the next individual, what is happening? And the individual replied, oh, I'm just doing some electrical work. 
The man continued on until he reached a woman and he stopped and he said, hey, what, what's going on? And she said, oh, I'm painting and I'm creating. And then the man continued on until he came across another individual and he inquired, hey, what, what's going on here? And the individual replied, oh, I'm building a beautiful cathedral. You see, each person fully understood their part. Even if they couldn't see the bigger picture, they were still committed to achieving the higher purpose. And you know what? Sometimes we can't see the bigger picture, can we? But what we can do, and I'm certain of this, is fulfill our role. Because you were created and you were designed, even when you don't know what's ahead, even when things are uncertain, to fulfill the role that only you can fulfill in this body of Christ. Because the joy of community is found in our deep connection to the Father and to one another. And so today I say, creatives, the body of Christ needs you to reconnect. Entrepreneurs, the body of Christ needs you to reconnect. Evangelist, the body of Christ needs you to reconnect. Teachers, the body of Christ needs you to reconnect. Prophets, the body of Christ, it needs you to reconnect. Apostles, the body of Christ, it needs you to reconnect. Generation Z, body of Christ needs you. And it needs you to reconnect. Millennials, the body of Christ needs you to reconnect. Gen X, the body of Christ needs you to reconnect. Boomers, we need you to reconnect. Church, we need all of you to reconnect, to become one again so that the world may know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Nothing else matters. Reconnect because there is where you will truly find the fullness of joy again. Reconnect because a life half devoted is not a life devoted at all. For how could we look at our Lord who gave his all and say, I only want to give you some. We need each of you to reconnect because there's an entire generation who may never know who the Lord is. The gospel depends on us becoming one again, reconnecting with the Father and reconnecting with the body of Christ and then allowing his glory to be revealed in us and through us to the world. Nothing else matters. Holy God, Lord, we give thanks to you. We praise you because you are good and you are holy. And at the end of the day, Lord, nothing else compares. 
Lord, your love and your kindness and your faithfulness, Lord, it overwhelms us. And God, the reality is, is that life gets in the way and our preferences have become our gods and our ideologies are what we want to hold tight to. But in all reality, God, all that matters is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, may our hearts be so convicted today, Lord, to know that we would do anything, that we would commit full-heartedly, that we would reconnect to see those who are lost and without you, God, and come to know you the way that we know you. And Lord, there may be people in this space who do not know you, and so I pray that today they receive that invitation to know you to know your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, may our hearts be full of conviction and repentance this morning for turning away from the only thing that matters, and that is you. Lord, may we reignite our love and our passion for you today, God, and for the body of Christ, Lord, for the gospel. And Lord, when we leave this space, Lord, may we be transformed and renewed and reconnected to you, God. And may our hearts burn passionately for your truth. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, may we leave this space connected. May we leave this space full of unity and love. May we leave this space reminded that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is the truth that we are meant and intended to carry into the world with us. May we leave this space knowing that we are loved by the Father and that his goodness and his mercy follows us everywhere we go. And I say all that in Jesus' name. Amen.